All right. So last week, if you were here, I spoke on prophetic acts. We looked at different prophetic acts that happened in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I also shared some that we personally had experienced with um, different prophetic acts and different things God asked us to do, we did. And then I asked uh, to pray and listen to God and see what he wants us to do for prophetic act um, that morning, last week. And Dale heard call in revival fire from the north, south, east, and west. So you were here. We stood. and It did look kind of silly. But, hey, I don't care what it looks like. I just want more of the Lord, uh, more to come, more of his fire, more of his presence, more uh, manifestation of God. So we turned to the, the east, south, west, north, all around, and we just called in revival fire to come. And then last Sunday night, we mentioned earlier, we just had a really great service. It was just, I think one of the things that makes the Sunday night service great is that nobody knows when it's going to end. And when you come in thinking we're going to be out of here by noon or be out of here by 1230, have this in mind and get this plan for a birthday party and this plan for that and that, you're kind of thinking, like, I can't, you're thinking, I can't wait to get out. But there's nothing after this. Like after evening service, it's just bed, right? It's like, because we I didn't get home till 11 o'clock on that night. And I know Talman's probably were later than that. Dave Mark was later than that because he was still in the parking lot with me till almost then. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why it's, it's different is because nobody cares about what time it is. We're here to meet with Jesus. And if that takes an hour, if it takes two, three, four, we're going to just do it. And if people have to go, they can, they can go. But sometimes our, our clocks can really hinder us from really pressing into the presence of the Lord. You can't, you, uh, you know, I used to sell these at the Christian bookstore, the one-minute Bible, and just the title alone was offensive to me. I was thinking, like, gosh, really, that's really all you got for the Lord is one minute? If you're that busy, you need to quit something. I mean, I mean, you need to quit something. I mean, you live on welfare, live in a tent or something, but if you don't have enough time, more than one minute in a day, to spend with the Lord, there's something wrong with our priorities and our schedules. All right, we're chasing after mammon. Man, I'm into something different right now, but... Anyway, um, we need to be seeking after things of God. So today I want to look at some more prophetic acts that talked about in the Bible. I want to talk about that and see some other examples of what God said. I don't know if we'll be doing some more or not. We could be, so keep your spiritual radars alert because that could be happening today as well. So just to define what a prophetic act is, a prophetic acts are acts or actions we perform that the Holy Spirit asked us to do, something he prompted you to do. So anything that you do that God asks you to do, you could call that a prophetic act. Because a prophetic word is just something you heard God say, and you're repeating it. So the prophetic act is the same thing. You heard God say it, and you did it. It wasn't just sometimes not just speaking something. If you speak it, that's a prophecy. But if you do it, it's an action. So that's why it's called a prophetic act. So we saw a few examples last week. Moses raising his hands, and while his hands were up, they were winning the war. When his hands were down, his friends and family members down there were, were fighting, were losing. They were dying. So he had, he had friends and his brother help him raise his hands. Also, Elisha, the king of Israel, uh, Elisha and the king of Israel, was shooting an arrow at the east window. Then he took the rest of the arrows and knocked them on the ground. He hit the ground three times. And he said, man, if you would have hit the ground five or six times, Syria would have been totally destroyed. There would have been an end to them. But since you only did it three times, they were um, only going to be attacked and defeated three times, but not totally destroyed. So whatever reason, that prophetic act of striking the ground with some arrows had an impact on if they were going to win the war or not. makes totally no sense. Usually what makes sense is they got bigger guns. They got more military troops. They got better weapons. They got uh, mightier warriors. But with God, it doesn't always work the way we logically conclude and think. 
He had to tap the, he was king, so he represented the whole land. He had to tap those arrows on the ground multiple times. They wanted to totally win. So sometimes prophetic acts God asks us to do, they don't make sense, and we don't really understand them. But because God set them and we obey them, that's why they work. That's the only reason why they work. Uh, just think of Ezekiel. I mentioned this last week. God asked him to shave his head, shave his beard. Then he had to take uh, his hair and weigh it on the scales. <laughs> this is weird. Like, see, you want to do that, Drew? Let's see how much you got there. <laughs> so you put it on a scale. You're weighing it out. Then divide this hair into thirds. He had to burn one-third of it in the middle of the city. They must think, what's that old man doing now? That guy has lost his mind. He's burning his hair over there. Look, he's bald now. He's burning. He's not, he doesn't have a beard anymore. He's over there sh burning his hair in the middle of the city. Sometimes the prophetic act God asks you to do might not be just in your bedroom or behind closed doors where no one will see you. Sometimes God might want it to be in the middle of the mall, middle of Walmart, in the middle of town, the middle of center, where people are going to see you around you, where you might feel absolutely foolish. And God's going to say, do you, do you trust me? Will you obey me anyway? Do you care what they think about you more than what I'm telling you? Because these are real, legit questions that you're going to go through if you go out and step into any kind of ministry field uh, outside of these four walls. It's safe in here, right? I mean, but when you go out there, you, feel, you may feel threatened. So God's going to ask you that. Then uh, he had the other third of the hair. He put it in a pile, and he took his sword and hit the ground all around the thing. So that would look weird too, right? He's like knocking the ground around this hair. And the third pile of hair, he just threw it into the wind. And that all was symbolic of a third of the people dying from pestilence and famine, a third falling by the sword, and a third being scattered into the wind. He was fed up with their hypocrisy. He was fed up with their idol worship. And he told them, this is how uh, the people in Jerusalem, this is how they're going to die, because they, wouldn't, they worship idols and didn't follow me. So those are three examples, three different war-type scenarios that were going on. In each one of them, it was different. Each one of them, how he told them to respond was different. Each one, how they told the prophetic act was different. And I think sometimes, we, if we're not careful, we can, we can get a victory with the Lord doing something one way. Like I went on a three-day fast and I got victory. So then from now on, every time you have any kind of problem or situation come up, well, I'm just going to go on a three-day fast. Or you had, oh, I got a prophetic word last time. I got this prophetic word and, and that problem was fixed. I just did what they told me and then it was over. And all of a sudden, that person who gave you the word becomes your source and their supply and not from God. So God is never going to let you figure him out and put him into a formula. When we start trying to win our battles through, uh, it's good to have a history and a track record, but the history and track record isn't something to copy or mimic. It's something to say, he's faithful before, he'll be faithful again. I just got to press into the Lord, press into my Father, say, what do you want me to do? And that's, that's, that's how we win these wars. So today we're going to look at a few other battles from the Old Testament and look at these and see how God got them to, uh, how he instructed them to, to act. But it, I want to say this too. If God used prophetic acts in the Old Testament to win wars, physical wars and battles, is it possible that he could use prophetic acts in your life to help you win a war you're going through? I think it's more than possible. It's probably probable. If, 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 if people can physically die in a battle, how much more demons, principalities, <clears throat> powers, and other things can be moved out of our way and us win in battle if we do what he asks us to do? Amen? So we're going to look at a couple of more examples today. 
Also, Holly's going to share a part towards the end of this. We're going to tag team a bit. She's going to share a little bit. So um, a vast army of Moabites and Ammonites came against the land of Judah. And King Jehoshaphat was there, and he heard that all these people, this vast army and another army was coming against them, and they, all they had was, uh, was Judah. It didn't have, like, all 12 tribes, just the land of Judah. And there was no way in the natural that they could overcome this army. It was like the sand of the seashore. They were just coming in from everywhere, and they were going to wipe them out. And there was nothing that they could do. So Jehoshaphat was feared, fearful for his life. He feared for the lives of his people, for his children, for their children. He was scared. Wouldn't you be scared? Could you imagine that? Like there was this massive army coming in, and we're like, what are we going to do? I got my little bow and arrow. I got this. What, what do I do? So what he does is he set his face to seek the Lord. What do I do? And then he called a fast over the whole land of Judah. And then all of Judah gathered together in one place. Even people from outside of Judah that would have been affected by this war and battle, they all came uh, to the city, to this place, and they came to seek God's face. And we'll pick, the, pick this story up in Second Chronicles 20, beginning of verse 13. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came on Jezeel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benai, the son of Jael, the son of Matiah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. Man, I'm glad those names are over. So, uh, and he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed, because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Now, we've all heard that in different songs. We've all heard that, that verse, but this is where it comes from. This is their situation. There is no way in the natural that they could win this war. There wasn't any way. So they decided to fast and pray. The battle's not yours, is the Lord. Verse 16. Tomorrow I'll go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You, do, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Now, how many want to hear God say that to you? Amen. But you've got to position yourself. You've got to stand still. You gotta, all you do to stand, keep standing in faith. Keep standing. But you've got to position yourself and watch the salvation of the Lord. It says, uh, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. Now, if you imagine this, uh, we had this big general assembly. Everybody was here from all over Avery County and other counties around because there's this big war going on. And we'll say, Joey stood up and gave this prophetic word, listen, mayor of whatever, missing this guy and that guy, here's what we're going to do. We're going to march out to the corner of Lick Log and Spanish Oak. We're going to put the worshipers out in the front because if this doesn't work, the guys in the back are going to take off running. <laughs> We're gonna, they're going to let them die first. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. But, but, um, but you send the worshipers out first, and we're going to stand there. They're not, they're not preparing for battle. They're preparing for a spiritual battle and a physical battle. They're going to stand there. They're going to position themselves and watch the salvation of the Lord. Now, if, if one of us gave that word in here to the whole county or whatever, can you imagine what the response would be that night? You're laying in bed like, man. What are we going to do? Are we really going to go down to the ascent as is? What are we going to do there? Why don't we just stay here? We're going to die either way. We're going to just stay here in the house. They can burn it down. They can come kill us, whatever. 
they had to do something, and that something is faith. They had to walk in faith. In every step of our life, every step of a journey we're going to go through, we are going to have to walk out these things in faith. Amen. We could, they could have stayed home. They could have stayed in the castle, could have garrisoned themselves in there, fortified the walls and everything as best they could, shot arrows down, and they would have got a few of those soldiers dead, but every one of them would have been annihilated. Every one of them would have been destroyed if they would have stayed back in fear because fear kills. The spirit gives life. So let's see what they did. Verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. That word has not changed to this day. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophetic words, his messengers, his messages, and you will be established. You will prosper. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, how many of you know you want to have your best worship team on that morning, huh? All right, you know, it's like, oh, praise the Lord, his mercy. I mean, they're going out, they're, they're praising with everything they've got. I mean, they're, they probably got their flags, maybe. I'm sure they got their shofars. They are, they're dancing and praising as they're marching. I don't know how far that march was. It probably was a few miles or, or so to that ascent of Ziz. And they had to march out in faith, singing, probably dancing, probably worshiping the Lord. And the army was marching behind them. Maybe they had some swords in there just in case. I don't, I don't know. I would guess probably yes. <laughs> but uh, they didn't know. It's easier for us to read these stories and not put ourselves in the position of what would I do, right? Because we've had threats. Um, you know, we've all been through threatening situations where you get in a car accident or something like that. But you haven't probably ever experienced where someone's coming to kill you with intent to kill you. They were coming there, and they were going to kill them, the women, the children, take everything they had, and they were going to destroy them. And they put all their faith, all their trust in one thing, and that was in the Lord, in the word of the Lord from a man through a human. What if he missed it? What if he didn't hear God right? Well, we're dead either way, so we <laughs> we gotta we gotta march. So, but as they sang, as they began to worship, as they began to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who came who could who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Not as they whimpered. Not as they moaned and groaned, woe is me, like in the Moses day. Why they bring us out in the wilderness to die? Why they bring us out to Mount, Mount uh, Scent of Ziz to die? I could have just died back at home. They could have moaned and groaned. But as they worshipped, as they praised, as they marched, as they went forward, the Lord fought the battle for them. The Lord sent an ambush against all of these people. They couldn't even count them. There was so many of them. They began to turn and fight on each other. And guys, I'm telling you, sometimes this is how you're going to win your battle. It's not by going out and telling somebody. It's not by moaning and complaining about how mean your neighbor was or how bad this guy was and how this guy did this to you and that to you, that you're never going to win a battle that way. But you, t you seek the face of God. What do you want me to do? And then you quiet yourself. You position yourself. And you do what he tells you to do. You have to march. You march. If it's praise, you praise. If it's shout, you shout. And the Lord fights that battle for you. You can stand back and watch the victory of the Lord happen right in front of you. The battle isn't yours, it's the Lord's. And today, even more so than ever before, because we're in the new covenant. 
and Jesus completely won the victory for all of us. Amen? That was really weak, but I'm just saying. But wake up, guys. I mean, Jesus has already completely won the victory for every one of you. So we are either going to stand in faith or we're going to hide in fear. It's the only choices we have. And so it's, it's, if you don't like it, there's nothing we can do about it. But you're going to either strengthen your faith or we get sourpussed and scared and like, woe is me, and feel bad for ourselves. That's never going to get you a victory. Never, ever, 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 ever let yourself feel sorry for yourself. It will never bring you to victory. It's always, uh, it's always, it's, it's rooted in grumbling and complaining and fault finding and telling God, my life's not good enough. What you give me is not good enough. But when you look at it from a different perspective of what God has given you, it's like Moses again. God said, what's in your hand? Or the lady of the widow. What's, what do you have in your house? I have a jug of oil. Well, you've got enough. And we need to be thankful for that. So look what happened. Verse 24. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the, the multitude and there were, and there, that were there, and their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, they, fa- they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoils because there was so much. What did they do? They marched. They believed. They worshipped. And they stood and they watched. And God performed the victory for them. And then they got to collect the spoils. It's like God rewarded you for being obedient. God rewarded you, rewarded them, paid them for just doing what he told them to do. You sit back like, wow, that is really a good deal. But we have to do that in faith, right? Look what happened next, verse 30. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for God gave him rest all around. And guys, that's how we labor to enter into that rest, is hearing the voice of God and doing what he says. In every battle you go through, every struggle you go through, the strategy to win that war is going to be different. It can't be a, a repetitive thing, well, let's do this again. It's going to be new. So we've got to ask God. So um, what do you think would have happened from the sons of Asaph had lost his mind? I think he was drinking too much wine. Um, I'm just staying home. What do you think would have happened to the people if they just would have stayed home and hoped that the castle walls were strong enough to protect them and keep them safe? They would not be written about, would they? They'd be dead. So sadly in our lives, I wonder what happens to us when we fall back into fear, we fall back into tradition or into old thought patterns or old habits or old whatever of self-defense mechanisms or whatever else we lean on and rely on instead of the Lord. What happens to us when we, we don't fight the way the victory fight that God has already laid out for us? He has works he prepared in advance for us to walk in. But guys, if we're not seeking after his face to know what those works are, whether it's a battle plan or a strategy for your life or family, whatever that is, how are we going to know what those works are? He's preordained for us to walk in if we don't have, we just do the one-minute Bible thing, like, well, that's what my grandma did, or that's what my uncle did, or that's what I did last time, or that's what worked five years ago. Amen? He's a personal God. He's a jealous God. He doesn't want your seconds. He doesn't want your leftovers. He wants the priority position Number one of your heart. Amen? Amen. All right. So 
all these guys need to do to win was they had to be brave. They had to believe God. They had to believe the prophet, the prophetic word. Then they had in the morning, they had to get up, and they had to, they had to march. Then they had to stand there and praise and watch the salvation of the Lord and then collect the spoils. Amen. And, guys, God has victory for us, too, but there's going to be faith involved. You may not have to march to the corner of Spanish Oak and Lick Log. You may not have to walk to the Ascent of Ziz or wherever you have to go, but God's going to ask you to do something. He will ask you to do something. I don't know what it is, and that something is going to make you manifest faith in your life. It's not to make you afraid. It's not to, because faith works by love, and things are, are released in this world through faith. So God's asking you to do an action of faith so you will step into faith so he can release that work in his life through faith. That's why he's asking. He's like, isn't to embarrass you? Isn't to scare you? Isn't like, oh, God, why would you make me do this one? I don't want to do that one. Oh. Why? He wants you to walk in faith because if you walk in faith, that's when you get the spoils. That's when you get to collect the victory, trophies, and, the, and all the spoils, all the stuff. So, guys, that's what he wants us to do. So good, could God be trying to tell us something today for a present valley situation or, or challenge you're going through right now? Is God trying to tell you something to how to get past that problem? If you've been in the, in, you've been in the wilderness for 40 years, something went wrong, right? Something went wrong. So we've got to go back and reassess what's, what's happened up until now, and God, what is the battle plan for where we're at? So last example. In Joshua 6, this is the, the, the battle of Jericho. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because, hold on a second. Why does this, I think, just disappeared on me? All right, but I'm going to need this later. <laughs> Man, it is a war today, isn't it? All right. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hands, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This, this you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets or, sh or shofars, a ram's horn before the ark. For the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a, loud, a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people sh uh, shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before them. Now, imagine if your commander-in-chief gave you that battle plan. All right, so we're going for this war against Jericho. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to march around this city once a day for six days and blow trumpets and not make a sound, not say anything. You like you had to think, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I want Moses back. What's going on? Joshua, what are you doing here? And uh, they're like, but, but they did it. Whether they feared, feared him or whatever, they did it. And on the seventh day, of course, they did it seven times. But uh, in the natural, that would not be a very good strategic battle strategy. They could be at the wall like, hmm, here they come again. And just start shooting some arrows at them. But they marched. Verse 15, but it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times, and the, 
seventh time it happened when the priests blew their trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. They had to make that declaration of faith before they saw the desired results. He already told them what was going to happen because God told them. But he had to make that shout. They had to do the action, the prophetic action of walking around it before they saw the victory, before they saw the walls fall down. They had no idea how the walls were going to fall down. Walls don't just randomly fall down. It wasn't an architectural issue. It wasn't some earthquake that randomly just happened right then. It was the power of God just pushed the wall down at the exact moment when they shouted, when they blow the long trumpet sound, the shofar sound, when they shouted this, the, the voice of victory, faith was released and the wall came down. And the same thing happens in our life. When you have that shout of victory, when you sometimes the victory might not happen on day one. You might have to march around it one day, two days, five days, six days. It might be longer than seven days. You're marching around that issue. You're marching around that thing. And on that seventh day or that whatever day, you let out that victory shout, that shout of victory. And they have a shofar blow, whatever you want to do, or your worship music on at home. And you shout, and God pushes down the barrier, the wall, the whatever that thing is in your life, so you can walk out and walk into freedom. But the strategic things we have to do, it isn't just sometimes, well, I, I prayed about it and nothing happened. Well, then you, pray, you need to pray again. You need to pray again until you get a strategic, specific battle plan, a strategy that God wants you to do with a certain situation and area. Whether it's your child's life or their salvation or, or an issue or your health or whatever it is, you, we have to, each one, get a specific battle plan from God. Not just, well, I prayed. I, I, I believed I prayed. Well, if that's what God told you to do, that's all you need to do. But did God tell you that? Because you even look at the life of Jesus. He, didn't re he, heard, he rarely healed the same person the same way twice. It was always difficult. Why? He was listening to God. What do you want me to do? And he did it. It's the same thing we need to do today. God, here's my situation. Here's what's going on in my body. Or here's what's going on in my finances. Here's what's going on in my life, my family, my relationships. What do you want me to do? And what he tells you to do might not be something you want to do. Amen? You might not want to shave your head and beard. <laughs> you might not want to do something else or call up your family and repent and tell them you're sorry for judging them or you're sorry for being bitter towards them or you're sorry for being a bad example of Christ or whatever it is that he might ask you to do. But whatever he asks you to do, I guarantee you this, it's going to require faith for you to obey, and that faith is what releases the blessing because when you, faith is how things get released to you. Amen? Verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with the great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up about into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Guys, this was a miracle. It, again, it wasn't an architectural mistake. It just happened to fall on that day. Uh, it wasn't like it was a poorly built wall. There's walls that were built several hundred years ago that are still standing today. They knew how to build a wall. It was God also that had to knock down a wall. Amen. And he still does. And he still does. And it's going to happen when we hear God and obey his voice. And again, it might not be just a one-day prayer or a one-time prayer or a 20-second prayer. It might be uh, marching again and again and again and shouting again and blowing the trumpet again or whatever. And again, standing on the word God gives you. Amen. Amen. So each, each of these five battles mentioned here, each one was a, diff, was a little bit different and different instructions. For Moses, he had to lift his hands. For Elijah, he had to get the king to shoot these arrows and hit the arrows on the ground. 
For Ezekiel, you know, he had to shave and burn and all that stuff. For Jehoshaphat, he had to march the ascent of Ziz and uh, praise and worship and all that and position himself. And for Joshua, he had to march around the city six times, once a day for six days, seven day, seven times. Each one was different, but each one was victory. Each one exactly thing happened that God intended to happen. Amen. So some battles we fight are not going to be settled in a day. Some of them we have to keep fighting and fighting and fighting. All right. So, um, Holly, why don't you come up now? I'm going to turn this part over to you. And you can share the part of this that God put in your heart. Let's welcome my wife, Holly. This is an example of obedience. <laughs> Tag team this morning? No. Um, yeah, I had journaled some of this stuff a while back, so it was cool when Brian starts saying, um, I feel like the Lord wants me to share on this. I'm like, oh, I have a bit of my journal on that. So, um, But just as all the examples mentioned that Ryan um, already shared this morning, none were prophetic acts that were repeated over and over. God gave them specific new things for them to do. Um, for different battles or different situations. So the key, like he did say already, is really to connect with heaven. Listen to what the Father is saying. Look and see what the Father is doing. Jesus did that. How much more do we need to tap in and look, seek God, and connect with his heart? Um, It is a co-laboring, which I love. It's such a partnership that he wants us to have that relationship with him and to lean into him for these battles and victory plans so we can walk in that victory together. Amen. Um, so anyway, so in the natural, just like he said, but I had these in my journal and they're kind of silly, but it really drives the point home. If we were in a battle here physically, we would not send out Navy vessels for rioting in Seattle right? Okay. We would not use tear gas for an underwater submarine. All right. We would not get out the classic bayonet for an airstrike. Okay. Those would be ludicrous. We would be dead. We would give up ground to our enemy. And um, even though those weapons have brought success in the past for a certain situation, it doesn't mean they're going to work in every situation, right? Um, So, if we, we might have all the arsenal for every single scenario, but if we didn't choose the proper weapon and method, we would be sunk every single time, and we would lose to our enemies if we didn't fight smart. So we do have a lot of spiritual weapons and tactics against our enemy, but sadly, many Christians, I know it's not you guys, but many, many think we only have prayer maybe fasting. And they don't even put a lot of trust in that. I've heard so many times in the community, they get a bad report and they say, well, all we can do is pray. Just sounds like Eeyore. Well, we might as well give up now. (laughs) Go sit under my rain cloud. But uh, they just, they don't even value that prayer weapon. But then there's so much more. Um, They are totally defeated in their mindset already with little or no hope to overcome the situation in their lives. And on top of that, a lot of people don't really recognize who our true enemy is, right? It's true. Um, 
So the Bible does say our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we are fighting an invisible battle. So we need spiritual weapons for the spiritual battle. So in our arsenal, we have many, many spiritual weapons. So we do have prayer, but there are lots of different kinds of prayer. Then there's prayer in English, and there's prayer in tongues. We do have fasting. We do have the scripture. We can declare the scripture. We can pray the scripture. We can meditate on the scripture. We have the armor of God. We can join forces with other believers. The Bible talks about where two or three are gathered and walking in unity. And we have communion, which we're going to do this morning. Amen. We can declare things. We can declare scriptures. We can declare truths. We can call those things that be not as though they were. There are prophetic acts, which we're learning about. Um, even this morning, declare in the name of Jesus. Amen. We can practice his presence. We can practice being carriers of his presence, and that shifts atmospheres and brings change in a room. You can make a difference just walking in, in faith. You know, they can say, oh, can you feel the tension in the room? You can cut it with a knife. Well, guess what? It doesn't have to stay that way. You carry the spiritual weapon to break that and to shift it and to change it. And we have worship. Um, We have regular praise and worship, which ushers us into God's presence and things happen. We have prayer worship. We can sing out our prayers to the Lord. And we have worship warfare with prophetic acts. And I love the Passion Translation. It even, it actually writes it out as worship warfare right in the text. And I love that because to me, it gives such a beautiful visual of what, is being accomplished right now what we are breaking the forces of enemy we are pushing back that line and saying no not on my watch no not in my community and we have that authority so it's up to us to practice it right and like ryan said sometimes it might look silly um but hey if it's going to bring a change i want it amen Um, So these are all weapons of faith. They are done in faith as we trust God who has spoken the truth that these weapons are powerful for pulling down strongholds because um, they are not discerned with our natural senses or experiences. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says the weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Amen. Um, So mixed with that, As we learn to walk in these different um, weapons warfare, worship warfare with prophetic acts, uh, we need to uh, mix it with faith and expectation. So even last Sunday when we had the cool activation and Dale felt to call revival fire, and we did, which I love you guys for doing that, but even I wonder how many people really expected a shift to happen. Because that Sunday night, there was a small handful here, and it's not condemnation, but I really wonder if we believed fully that, hey, some revival fire is going to fall, maybe more would have been there. I don't know. And I'm not saying that to make anyone feel bad, but I just, it's a challenge even for my own heart. Are we mixing this warfare 
with faith and expectation. What is going to happen? Get excited about what is going to happen. Remember what we did together in worship, in prayer, in intercession, and start getting excited about what is coming because those strongholds are breaking in the name of Jesus. And we will walk in that victory. We will collect those spoils. Amen. Um, we, I personally don't feel like I have a lot of testimonies to share about this yet. It's relatively new. <laughs> so I'm excited to have testimonies in the future to share as we walk in this together. But I can think of a few from Brazil in 2008. That was like pushed me <laughs> way out of my comfort zone. But praise God, it is really what sparked a lot of change here at the church. And um, just with us asking God, what, what else is there? We have seen there's more. We want more, God teach us, and we've been learning to walk in it, but um, I remember in worship in Brazil, we would worship for hours sometimes, and that was a stretch right there, but there was a few ladies up at the front, and I'm telling you, it looked like they were doing karate, <laughs> violent karate moves when we were worshiping, and at first, I was just kind of staring like, what are they doing? <laughs> But, man, I got to know some of them, and some of them I've kept relationship with over the years, and they are mighty women of <laughs> intercession, mighty women of worship, and they see the kingdom come when they put their prayer out there. They have results that back what they are seeing, feeling from heaven. But I just thought by the end of our time there, I was really just amazed, one that they would be humble enough to do that. That really takes a humbling, amen, to get up in front of everybody, number one, to do some strange karate. But I asked them about it, and it was just like this. They said, sometimes, you know, I feel like I'm at the Father's feet in the throne room of heaven. I'm worshiping. Sometimes I feel like he is showing me things to knock down and to kick through, and they are up here in worship doing that. And um, so it is just a challenge for me, a challenge for our body, as we continue to walk in these gifts of warfare against our enemy, to see breakthrough in our region, step out and try. If God is showing you something, to break it, to pull the chain off, to do a karate kick. I don't know what he's going to tell us to do. And I pray that I will have the courage to do it. But if it means... Our region changing. You know, my kids, they're friends. There's just so much hurt in that. I love you guys. We can do this together. We can be weird together, right? We're family. Family gets weird <laughs> in a good way, where you can just really be yourself. That's what it is. It is where you can be comfortable to be you. And God wants that for us, for his family, where we can come together and we can be 
as a family and get this done. See his kingdom come and see that change here, here and now. Amen. Yeah, she's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Um, about a year plus ago, we went to uh, California for the prophetic conference. It was 10 of us that went. And uh, we had these popsicle sticks. You remember those, Joe, Joey, Joan, Dave, Mark, Jana? Um, anyway, and uh, they ended up in my mailbox in the back, and I thought one day I'm going to do something with them. And then this morning during worship, I was like, remember those uh, popsicle sticks? Like, go get them. This, so this is the prophetic act to do today. But um, there's three of them I'm going to break. The other ones I'm going to bury. Not now, but I'm going to bury them sometime outside the yard. But this is hard to do. Thank you. So one said peaceful on it. I'm going to bury that. One has Isaiah 60, 1 through 4. It's a prayer of unity and things. We're going to bury that one like a seed. Um, this one has unity in Christ on it. These are ones that all ten of us wrote on there. Uh, this one says... The trees of the fields will clap their hands. So that's worship. And this one says forgiveness. I'm going to sow these in the ground and believe God for a harvest of this. Not just for us in here, but for our region. Amen. And the three that I'm going to break, I'm going to break them now. I might be, need to do it one at a time because these look like pretty strong sticks. So <laughs> I don't want to hurt myself. <laughs> but uh, the first one is breaking off curses. We're going to break that. Bondages being broken. Man, we need that in our county. We need that. People are so addicted to stuff. It's not good. And this one has um, spirit of poverty, spirit of religion, jealousy, uh, lethargy. That's a fun word to say. And then uh, an apathy. And these things will be broken off our region because just like that story I told several weeks ago of Chris Valentin marching around that city for, I don't remember, for a year or more on Sunday nights and just praying for his city. And then all of a sudden he heard that. I can, I guess I can hold it now. <laughs> but then I'll, I might need you in a minute when I break them. That, that was, thank you. <laughs> but anyway, how he heard that scream. Do you remember that if you were here? That a demon started screaming and then left that town. And the whole town was changed. And, rev and kids started getting saved. And crime rate went down. All these things changed. Guys, when we do and partner with what God wants us to do, things will shift Things will change. Amen. So I'm going to break these in faith and believe God's going to be breaking curses off family lines and generational lines that have been maybe the founding members of our community, founding members of our church families or whatever, the founding members of Avery County, that curses have broken off their lives. And um, the Burles family, the you know, all the different Hugheses, all the different common names, just broken off all of our lives. Bondage is being broken. And then the list of the other ones. So. I hold this. I'm going to break this. Bondages. Bondages broken. Sorry. <laughs> Woo! Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, release it. Woo, yes, freedom reign. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we do break those things in agreement with your word. 
Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth, just like heaven. God, we don't need greater church attendance. We need a move of the Spirit of God that affects the whole region, not a little building, but affects the whole region, affects families and homes. Guys, just this week at the Bridge Church, this little guy came up to me and asked me for prayer. It broke my heart. He's probably, I don't know, 12 years old or something, maybe somewhere in there. And he asked me to pray for him, and I said, well, what can I pray for you for? This is during worship. And he said, my mother's in prison. My dad wants me to live with him, but I don't want to live with him. He's angry or whatever. And then and, uh, he's living with his grandmother, and his grandmother tried to hit him this week. And so he had, where does he go? What's, what's he have left? You know, and he wanted me to pray for him. Like, then you're like, I don't have any words for this. So I just grabbed that kid. Dave Mark was by me, and I, I just hugged him. And he just started sobbing and crying all over my jacket, and just crying and crying. I just held that boy for a while. I did pray some things after, but what does he need? He needs love. He needs support. He needs encouragement. He needs to know that somebody cares. Somebody will listen. Somebody will give him some empathy or something, you know. And, guys, that's going to take our hearts. It's going to take some heart pain sometime. We're going to have to feel their pain and care. And it's going to take some time. We're going to have to put some other things away, some of our other favorite shows or whatever we do with our time, to, ha to have time available for somebody else. And, you know, you we will, because I'm not saying I'm the pro at this, because I definitely am not, but um, we will be more blessed in our lives when we give more of ourselves to others than you ever will be for this home renovation project or whatever else you have going on, because it's better to give than to receive. It just is better. It's just better. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to take communion together as a family. And uh, as we take this communion together, I just believe, God, we're, we're, we are sealing what we just did, the prophetic acts we just did, the word that was just given, we are sealing that in Jesus' name. Yes. So, God, here we are. Just like Jehoshaphat, there is no possible way, God, that we can win this war on our own. It's not going to be by our might, by our power, by our smarts but by the Spirit of God. And we confess, God, that our region, our nation, our area, we are broken. We are wounded. We are selfish, self-centered, looking out for number one, living the American dream, making sure we have everything comfortable, the perfect pillows, the perfect whatever. And people all around us, there's nothing perfect about anything in their life. And I know, God, we can't fix every situation. We're not called to... Uh, fix everything, and we're not the Savior you are. But God, I do pray, Lord, that you'd open my eyes, open my wallet, open my heart, open our all of us, that we would care enough to do something for somebody. Please, God, don't let our love grow cold in these last days. Don't let us hoard wealth, Lord, in the last days. Let us not worship the spirit of mammon, but the spirit of God. Yes, Lord. Father, I just break the power 
of the spirit of mammon over our life in Jesus' name. It is the Lord who gives you the power to produce wealth. It's through obedience to him. So God, we just bless your holy name today. And I thank you for a shift in our region. But God, I thank you for a shift in our hearts. In Jesus' name.